sent my way. Uh, some of these people are here, and most of the people are not here uh, that have shared this. One of them I got was this. Tell them no. Living for Jesus requires a lot of dying to yourself and what you want. If our kids get in, into the adulthood and don't know what it's like to, desi- to deny their desires, they'll never be able to effectively serve the kingdom of God. If kids grow up to be like you, what things would please you? And what things would you like to change? More importantly, what would God be pleased with you about? And what would, wish, what would He wish to change about you? Parents can't control how kids turn out, but their example and investment sure does have a lot of influence in their children's lives. So this morning as we gather on Father's Day, I know there's a lot of different emotions. Some of you grew up in a home that you have a great relationship with your father. Some of you grew up in a home that you don't have a great relationship with your father. Some of you grew up and you didn't even know where dad was, and dad really wasn't involved. But we're here to celebrate today. It's called Father's Day. And so as you gather this morning, I know there's a lot of things that are going on in your heart and in your mind. But I just want to share something with you this morning. As you leave this place, you're going to have some information that will be given to you, not necessarily my words to you, but God's word to you through the Scriptures. And it'll be interesting if you will take the Scriptures and allow them to impact you, which in turn will be an investment for the next generation. So this morning as we gather, there's a couple things that I want to share with you. The first one, you'll... Nancy will put it there for you. The first one is, I want to encourage you this morning to faith that leads to action. I want you to be able to take what you know, not just sitting here, but what's going on inside of your heart. I know that we would say the majority of us, if you pass the microphone around and say, yeah, we love Jesus. Oh, I'm a Christian. I ask for forgiveness of my sin, whatever, whatever, whatever. And uh, it would be kind of fun to go around and say, okay, we sang the song about our hearts being set free. We have forgiveness of sin. And just passing the microphone around and say, what was your day? What was that like? So another thing that I know is true, you can show them this next one. This morning you're going to get a chance to look at the Word of God. You're going to get a chance to see the Word of God to men. And then you're going to get a chance to see men's response to the Word of God. That's going to be interesting. I'm going to give you Scripture And that's my responsibility, is to pass on to you, here's the Word of God. Guess what? You have a response to Scripture. And so now you're going to have to deal with your response. How are you going to handle the truth that is put in front of you? Now here's another really interesting thing. This morning as you sit here, does your Heavenly Father want to give you some words today? And what would those words be? As I was praying about this morning, and as you would gather, a thought popped into my mind. What is your relationship like this morning with your Heavenly Father? What is your relationship like this morning with your Heavenly Father? Not what is my relationship like. What is yours like this morning? And so as we go through the first part of what I want to share with you, I want to share with you the words that were shared to men and their response to the Word of God. So let's start with Noah, for instance. God came to Noah when the world was wicked. And God said to Noah, Noah, this is what I want you to do. This is the word. I want you to build a boat. 
Had it ever rained before when Noah was alive? No. How long did it take Noah to build a boat? Hundred and twenty years. So 120 years he had to obey God's word. This is the word. Build a boat. No, why are you building a boat? Well, it's going to rain and God's going to flood the earth. Well, no, it's never rained before. Noah, have you lost your mind? Did you really hear something from God? Did God really speak to you? How often did he have the conversation with his boys? Dad, what are we doing? Everybody's laughing at us. The whole society thinks you've lost your mind because you've heard something from the Lord. You've heard the word of the Lord came to you and you said, he told you to do what? Build a boat, Dad? This is ridiculous. But for 120 years, Noah was faithful to the word that was given to him. Now, Noah was not perfect, but he obeyed the word of God. He obeyed that word. Now, Another one. I'm going to go a little bit faster through this one than we did the first hour, Nancy. Let's go to Genesis. Take your Bible uh, and go to Genesis chapter 12. So take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 12. When you read in Genesis chapter 12, uh, in verse 1, you read these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all your families on earth shall be blessed. So the Lord came to Abram. Abram there, but we know him as Abraham. Abram's 75 years old, and God says, I want you to go. So what did Abram do? Well, Lord, I really don't like your word. I don't think it's really convenient for my lifestyle. I kind of enjoy living here. It's kind of nice being around my family. No, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, and he went, and he went on a journey. Now, you can put the next one on the screen. Uh, There's a lot of information between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 21. So if you have some free time this afternoon, what I don't want you to walk out of here was this. Abraham was not perfect, and neither will you be. So you're going to get a chance to hear the word of the Lord, and you're going to be, all right, Lord, here I'm going. I'm following you. I'm going in this direction. I'm seeking your face. Abraham did that. But did Abraham get it all right? Did Abraham get it all right? He did not, ladies and gentlemen. So who are we crazy to think to come in here just because we all look good that we've got it all together this morning, and we're not going to get it all right, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters? You're not. You know what's interesting about Abraham? He kept on going. And God kept working in Abraham's failures and Abraham's successes. And God did not change through that process. So really, what should be stamped across your heart this morning should be construction zone. God's work in progress. And whatever that might look like this morning. But as you go to Genesis chapter 21, God's going to fulfill his promise to Abraham. He's going to give him a son. And then the word of the Lord is going to come to Abraham again. And this is going to be a little bit different than just go. This word's going to say, Abraham, I want you to 
to, um, the son is going to be born, and then go to Genesis chapter 22. And the word of the Lord came and said this, After these things, God tested Abram and said to him, Abram, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain which I shall tell you. Wait a second, God. You told me you're going to make a great nation out of me. And now you've given me a gift, and his name is Isaac. And you want me to go where? And do what? Why did Abraham obey? You ever ask yourself that question? What was going on in Abraham's relationship with God? That when God said, hey, this is what I want from you, Abraham said, okay. Because look what happens. If you read on in verse 3, it says, that, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, and the cut wood for the burnt offering, and rose, and he went to the place where God had told him. He obeyed. I'm thinking, what in the world's wrong with this guy? Or maybe there was faith in Abraham's heart that was not in my heart. And I can't give you all the answers to this question, but I want you to see the Word of God and the men's responses to the Word of God. Now take us to the next slide. Take your Bible and go to look at Exodus chapter 12. Again, you're going to see another example where the Word of the Lord is going to come to the nation of Israel. Exodus chapter 12. You probably remember the story. This is the the time where uh, the nation of Israel is in captivity. The Egyptians are holding them captive. There's been nine curses through Moses that God has come down and and attacked all of the Egyptians' gods that they had worshipped. And now it's going to be the last one. It's going to be the death angel. And now the nation of Israel is going to hear the word of the Lord again through the voice of Moses. And Moses is going to say something that is very clear to them. In Exodus chapter 12, look at verse 21. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders in Israel and said to them, Go select the lambs for yourselves according to the clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood and then in the basin and touch the lintel of the doorpost with blood. That is in the basin. None of you should go out of your house until the morning. The Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians, and he will see the blood on the lintels of the two doorposts, and the Lord will pass over and will not let the destroyer enter your house and strike it. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What man did not paint his doorpost? Because the word was spoken. They knew what was at stake. This is what I expect from you, God said. Paint the doorpost. Do you have any idea what family lost their firstborn son? If there was any, and I don't know if there was any, okay? So don't, uh, I don't know. But it's a very interesting thing as you think about Father's Day. What dad said no. And what eldest son died that day? 
because the dad didn't take the word seriously. Go a little bit farther to Exodus chapter, uh, what's the next one? Exodus chapter 32. Now the nation of Israel has crossed the Red Sea. They plundered the Egyptians. And now they're waiting for Moses to come back down with the Ten Commandments. And Exodus chapter 32 is where we are. And the people are kind of bored, but they've seen God do some amazing things. But they go to Aaron and say, you know what? We don't know what happened to Moses. So Aaron, we think you need to make another God for us. Now, I, I don't want to be too judgmental because I think we all do this at times. You say, God, I don't know where you are right now, so I'm going to go search for my own God. But look at, look at Exodus chapter 32. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, and they gathered themselves together with Aaron and said to him, Upon, and said to him, Upon, make up and make us uh, gods for, sorry, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of uh, the rings of gold that are in your ears and, and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that they're in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received the gold from their hand and fashioned it into, with a graving tool and then made a golden calf. And they said, These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. It's interesting now in Exodus chapter 32, they change their God. They say, God, you know, we haven't seen Moses for a while. And Aaron's saying, you know what, maybe, maybe it's time to do a small G God. Now, can you think about what has taken place? See, Aaron was there when they crossed the Red Sea. Aaron was there when the death angel went over. Aaron was there in Exodus chapter 15 when they saw and they sang a song. The horse and rider, they'd been tossed in the sea. Aaron was there. But the word no longer was truth with Aaron. I don't know if you follow this, if you follow this through all the way through, and you can do this if you want to. You can check up on it. But 3,000 people will die because of Aaron's choices. And all Aaron had to do is say, no, that's not the word. That is not true. We are not going to go down that road. But he didn't do that. But he knew. He had been there. He had seen. And then what's really fascinating about this is you carry out this. Take your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 32, verses 22. Well, 21, start with 21. And Moses said to Aaron, what? these people do that you have brought such sin upon them and Aaron said let not the anger of the Lord burn hot you know that these people are set on evil for they said to me make us gods who shall go before us as for his Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt we did not know what had become of him so I said to them let any who has gold take it off so it gave so they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and a calf, and this calf came out. Did, did Aaron actually throw it in the fire and the calf come out? No. Aaron threw it in the fire and Aaron formed the calf. Now, 
there's a reason why I want you to see this. I think it's very important for us as fathers to be willing to admit that we are wrong. One of my responses, and I won't give out names, okay? Acknowledge, apologize, and ask for forgiveness for your mistakes. I remember a time when I was sitting at supper with my children. They were doing something to aggravate me. I ended up losing my temper and spoke way too loudly to one of my children. I sent them to their bedroom, and then they came back to the dinner table. This individual's spouse or other sibling did not respond to dad's anger. But dad got up from the table, he went back to his child's room, and he got down on his knee. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I need to ask for forgiveness. I'll never forget what he said. And I the individual's child, I think, was about two or three at the time. So dad's down on his knee apologizing to the kid. It's okay, dad. I know why you're mean sometimes. I asked him, why? Dad, it's because your dad was mean to you. I know now why God gave those words to my child. Because God wanted to change me as a dad. Now what would have happened if that dad would have never went to the Holy Spirit and said, I would like for you to change me? What would have happened if that dad never would have went to that little person's room and got down on his knee and asked for forgiveness? What would have happened is if years would go by until God will bring another circumstances into dad's life for dad to realize that he needed to ask for forgiveness. So it's Father's Day, men. And I know as a man that at times, and if you go continue on through the book of Exodus, you'll see that the, that the Israelites were prone to wonder. But men, I want you to have, I want to encourage you this morning to be a man that's willing to ask forgiveness from your children. The last thing that I want to say to you this morning is some heavenly words from your heavenly father. I want you to hear your dad's voice today. And I'm not talking about your dad who's on this earth or who went on before you, okay? I'm not talking about that. I want you to hear God's voice to you today. So take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 starts in verse 31, and he's going to use Paul's voice to the Romans to share with you something this morning. Romans 8, 31, it says this, What then shall we say if God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also be gracious to us in all things? Drop down to verse 37. Know in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor, nor things in present, nor things to come, nor powers, 
nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I realize that we live in a generation that we most of the time we, we talk about God's love, but I don't know if we actually receive it. So I want you to know something today. Men, there's nothing that can separate you from your father's love. I also want to read another verse to you. Go to John chapter 3 and verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17. I know you know for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I want you to hear Jesus' words to you this morning, men. And ladies, it's for you too. For God did not send His own Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be what? Saved through Him. There's no condemnation from your Heavenly Father this morning. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't know where I care what you come from. He didn't come to condemn you. Now I realize that you grew up in a home that your father condemned you. <laughs> Because your dad was a sinner just like I'm a sinner. I've condemned my kids. But I want you to walk in a different step today, men. I want you to know that there is no condemnation from your Heavenly Father. He loves you for who you are. Not what you will do. Not where you are. He loves you for who you are. You know why? Because you're His. He made you. I want you to go on in John chapter 14 to hear a couple more words from your father. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus' words, he says this, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You have Jesus, you have life today. You don't have Jesus, you don't have life. That simple. But this is where my relationship with Jesus changes in John chapter 15. So look at John chapter 15. Again, this is John that's writing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking, but man, I want you to hear what he's saying to you this morning. He's saying this, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that bears fruit, he t- every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do to that fruit branch? So men, if you're going to bear fruit, he's going to keep pruning you. So don't give up. And pruning comes in a lot of different ways and through a lot of different people. And really what it means is, as I think about pruning, it's really God getting me to an area where I said, okay, look, I can't do anything without you. I am totally dependent on you. He's going he's gonna to take away every area area where you think that you're strong. So he gets you right down to the brass knuckles where you just say, okay, that's it, I surrender. It's not about me anymore, it's about you. And when he gets you to that point, then you will bear much fruit. But until then, we're just playing games. So know that every branch that bears fruit he's going to prune. Already you are, you are clean because you've heard the word I've spoken to you. Look at here, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. 
as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own. Gentlemen, you cannot do life on your own. And I want to make sure you hear me, men. You can't do this in your own strength. You have to abide in Him. And as I read through, you're going to see abide a couple more times. As you read the word abide, I would like for you to think about clinging to, grasping on, holding on to for everything you're worth. I'm holding on to Jesus. Maybe we can describe it this way. Somebody else put it this way. My advice would be twofold. One, give yourself to God. Not give your talents or your time or your money. That's stuff that we always vow to give. Because that's already His. Give God the one thing that is yours, that you can actually give to Him, and that it's your right to yourself. Give up your right to everything that you desire or control. You can't be terribly useful to God until you do that. Then after you've done that, abide in Him. Stay in Christ so that you can endure the absolute filth of this world. I am thoroughly convinced that you cannot protect your children if you have not been abiding in Him. You cannot run away from your strength and expect to stay strong. You have to give up your rights and become a slave and abide with Him to really be free and be effectively and to effectively lead your family in this generation. If dads would just give up all rights to have any say in their own life, if they would agree not to have what they want, but rather have what God wants, then we would see an incredible change in the lives of our women and children. I thought about this abide, and so really what I'm, and so just leave that there for just a second before you put that last one up. This is what I believe it means as you read on through there, and we're not going to do that because we're almost out of time. But this is how I define remain. or This is how I would define abide, okay? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. You can't, but he can. Colossians chapter 2, standing firm in your faith. Ephesians chapter 6, this, this battle is a principalities and powers battle. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's coming back. 2 Timothy chapter 3, don't have any form of godliness. And then the last one is Revelation chapter 21. We will dwell with him one day. So as I go about my life and as I think about Scripture, I'm really being called to empty myself and say, God, it's not about me. And then I'm remaining in the truth of Scripture. I'm in remaining in that one day. Counting by faith, Revelation 21 will come true. I will abide with God forever. He will be my Father for eternity. I'm going to dwell with this God that I'm talking about. I believe that. I believe that there's a temptation for us to sit in a building and say, yeah, we love Jesus, and it's a form of Godliness, but we're empty inside. Really, we're so proud we're not saying that we need help. And you can do that, and I can't fix it. I'm just giving you the word, and I'm going to allow you to remain. The last thing that I want to say this morning came from a college student. 
And they said this. Never underestimate the power of simply verbally telling your children that you love them. Never underestimate the power, Dad, of the words, I love you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is in front of us, and I pray that there will be a generation that would, by faith, they would trust you and their lives would act differently because they trust you. That there would be a response as we sit with the word of God that there would be a hunger for obedience. Not that we're going to be perfect. Abraham didn't get it all right. Solomon didn't get it all right. David didn't get it all right. Paul didn't get it all right. John didn't get it all right. Nobody got it right but you, Jesus. But Father, we would have the same response that Noah did. All right, Father, you want me to build a boat? I'll build a boat. Want me to share the gospel? I'll share the gospel. You want me to depend on you? I'll depend on you. You want me to surrender? I'll surrender. You want me to ask for help? I'll ask for help. You want me to trust your words? I'll trust you. So, Father, may that be our response. A response of willingness to be different because of who you are and because who we belong to. So, Father, may our faith in the men of Bible Fellowship Church and the men of Highlands County and the women of Bible Fellowship Church and the women and the students, may our faith be demonstrated by our actions. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to gather on Father's Day. In your name I pray. Amen.